Vicks. Vials. Irritating little crumb horns. Gaze at the person across from you now. Feel the sweet spark of connection. If you don't screw up this moment somehow, maybe you won't die alone. Don't be too needy or bring up your ex. Don't say the word herpes simplex. Don't ever mention you've never had sex. Trust me, I promise she knows. And now her defenses are starting to fall. Smile and return her affection. If you don't manage to ruin it all, maybe you won't die alone. What's up, everybody? This is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, and welcome to the recap of NXT. And, of course, ladies and gentlemen, joining me here on The Booch Cast, he is the NXT correspondent. He's been woken. Yep. He's been broken. Yep. And now he's just broke. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to The Booch Cast, the one, the only, the broke soulless ginger, Mr. Zach Scott. What's up, dude and dude? That's just me, the broke soulless ginger, Zach Scott. Genius speaking, I'm not that broke yet. And tonight, Vinny, card was really really not that bad was it just for a couple of things of fuckery but otherwise I enjoyed the living shit out of it it was a bit of fuckery but we were going to get into that you know yes, overall right. it was a good episode of NXT yep, um, yep. we're excited to get involved in this and uh, Zach is of course in studio which is always great yes I am hello because yes. um, uh, Zach uh, as we know last week was the 4th of July um, would you like to tell the listeners what happened and why the NXT correspondent wasn't here not really no we had a uh, bit of malfunction at work yeah and it was just no i was like i would not got home till almost about midnight damn yeah i was i was at well not midnight but just no there was nobody would have happened i would have fucked a lot of shit up but i was now i'm here so let's get into it because i want to talk about that day that day really really sucks so moving on there folks yes we're not gonna talk about depressing shit because there's enough going on around today as it is so Vinny, let's start doing this yeah basically uh zach had to work last week because it was the fourth of july he was working for a holiday and and some shit went down at the restaurant. So Zach was not able to join us last week. So it's okay. I'm not angry about it. I just wanted to see if we can get his perspective on why he wasn't here. So this was not a dig. This was just me yeah, wanting you to tell the listeners yeah. what was going on. This is the on, first you know? time I missed one in how long? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah, exactly. So, all right, let's do this, so, sir. All right. So we kick off this episode of NXT uh, with the Judgment Day. As we mentioned, uh, the Judgment Day was showing up. All four members were here. Uh, Finn Balor, uh, Damian Priest with the briefcase 
uh, Rhea Ripley with her title and Dominic. Nobody will let him talk Mysterio. Um, Pretty much. Yeah. So Balor lets the NXT universe know that daddy is home. He built this house and he's here to lay down some house rules. Dominic gets booed out of the building. Priest calls out NXT champion Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Dominic tries to speak and this will shock you. He gets drowned out by booze. Really? By booze there, Vinny? We yes. never heard this, have we, before for the billions, zillions, goddamn time. Oh, exactly. Did you know, by the way, whenever the Judgment Day goes to the bar, uh, they always send Dominic to the bar while they sit at the table? Why? Because he gets all the booze. <laughs> <laughs> Hayes and Williams come out and they interrupt. Uh, Ripley goes off because they interrupted Dominic. Hayes asks if they call him Dirty Dom because of all the times he dropped the soap. Uh, <laughs> I get that. Oh, yes. My co-host can relate. Uh, <laughs> Fuck you. Hayes praises Balor for being a legend in NXT, but this is his house now. Balor got the better of him on Raw, but this is his arena. Ripley says this is even about them. Priest says Hayes may run things now, but that's only because he doesn't have the Judgment Day staring back at him every Tuesday night. Williams tells Priest his mouth is writing a check that his ass can't cash. Priest goes nuts. Williams says they are here to see if the Judgment Day is really about it. Hayes is about to challenge the Judgment Day to a match, but Balor butts in and tells Hayes if he comes at the Prince, he best not miss. Hayes says, let's do this then. I enjoyed this tremendously right here. Uh, Finn Balor said that what he once said, I enjoyed it because he is correct. Dane Price says like, yeah, uh, you don't have the Judgment Day like we do to uh, Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams. Well, generally speaking, they don't need four they only need themselves, which they do good uh, anyways by themselves. Poor Dominic Mysterio, he tried to talk, but people keep on booing. People out there in the wrestling room world, if you're there live, let the dude talk. I know you hate his guts, but let the man talk. Rhea Ripley said what she had to say, which she says the same thing over and over again, so I really can't say anything about it. All she does is brag about Dom, and she keeps on interfering with people's matches. And then Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, they did good like they usually do. Said what they had to say. I liked it. I enjoyed it. And then uh, at towards the end, uh, Finn Balor said, stole uh, Carmelo Hayes' tr- uh, da, 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 catchphrase. But otherwise, not, I enjoyed this tremendously. Yeah, well, technically, you know, he just said you best not miss. It's not really necessarily stealing Carmelo Hayes' catchphrase because he says when Melo shoots, he don't miss. He says, I don't miss. So he's telling him, you best not miss, kind of challenging Carmelo not to miss. Also, you know, Damien Priest said before about, you know, the Archer of Infamy always hit his bullseye. So he was trying to remind people when he was in NXT, you know, he had a pretty good run, a very good streak, and had some good matches while he was down here. Personally, I felt he got called up way too soon, and that's my opinion. And as I've already mentioned before, and as, you know, most people so eloquently put it, I don't like the fact that he has the briefcase. Me neither. I'm just saying, if we're going to go through book standpoint and live in the kayfabe world of wrestling if I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief personally I'd rather you guys make me suspend my disbelief but a certain individual earlier today told me I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief so if I'm supposed to suspend my disbelief and live in this kayfabe wrestling world that we live in how the fuck do you go from losing to a rapper to winning a briefcase I don't know no logical sense on this planet or any other none whatsoever 
And I'm even more confused about why we're bringing the Judgment Day to NXT to begin with. Like, don't they already have their own storylines on Raw or something? Or are they trying to bring them to NXT because they got nothing else going on? Nothing else going on. And I don't see Finn Balor facing Carmelo for the NXT title anytime soon. I don't think it's happening at the Bash. In fact, we'll find out later it doesn't happen at the Bash because apparently somebody else is getting a shot. We won't say who right now. Nope. And I don't see Damian Priest cashing in the money in the bank on the NXT champion. No. Although I will say this. If Damian Priest is going to cash this briefcase in and win, I would want it to be on Carmelo Hayes. That's what I would prefer. Or have this be a failed cash-in that Finn Balor fucks up, either intentionally or unintentionally, thus getting a feud within the Judgment Day. Because right now, they've already established that the Judgment Day is whole. That the Judgment Day has no cracks in it. Whatever issues they had, they're leading us to believe they worked them all out. So, at this point, the only way I could see the Judgment Day crumbling is if Damien gets fucked out of his briefcase. Like I said, either intentionally or unintentionally. Something happens to cause Damien Priest to snap on Finn. Or for the Judgment Day to kick one of them out. Whoever it may be. I agree with you on that. I can see that happening. But here's my stipulation. Uh, something happens at SummerSlam. Rumor has it to be that Roman Reigns and Jay Uso are going to go at it. Just say Jay Uso wins and all of a sudden he cashes in. Damien Priest is a new WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Just, it, that's also a stipulation as well. Damian Priest cashes in on Jey Uso. If Jey Uso beats Roman Reigns at uh, SummerSlam, or he does it on Roman Reigns. Just a thought. Here's the thing. I don't know how I would feel about that. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I don't know how I would feel about that. Because, <laughs> obviously, I and, and I'm going to get a lot of heat for this, and I know that I already have. I don't want Jey Uso to be the world champion. And I'll just, and, I, since we're, and we're talking about this since the Judgment Day is here, so I'll just share my fucking thoughts. I don't care. We can talk about main roster stuff on here as well because we're in the thick of it. I look at it like this. Jey Uso pinning Roman Reigns at Money in the Bank, he's already done enough. He's already gotten rid of the aura and the mystique behind the tribal chief. He's already cracked the surface. Also, I don't feel like Roman should lose yet for one reason and one reason only. Solo is still with him. When I, when Roman finally loses this title, when Roman Reigns is finally done, I want all of the bloodline to be away from him. Solo walks away. Maybe even the wise man walks away. I want Roman to be all by himself. All by his lonesome when he drops the title. That's why I don't think he's going to lose anytime soon. Or if he does, something happens where Solo turns on him and then maybe Damian Priest can cash in. Because at least with Damian Priest, even though I'm not happy with him as the briefcase and I don't see him as a world champion, I would still take him seriously as a world champion over Jey Uso. Because I don't think Jey is a main event world heavyweight champion. Roman Reigns has been the champion for three and a half years. And we're sick of it. You can't end a reign like that unless you're going to give it to somebody that can be the next guy that you can build the company around. And Jey Uso is not a wrestler you can build a brand or a company around. Because after this storyline is over, there's nowhere else for Jey to go. Really, who are you going to put him in the ring with? Who's he going to defend the title against? Who are you going to put him in the ring with that he could successfully defend that title against? Because I'm telling you right now, that title reign's not going to last very long with Jey. He will get stale fast because he's not a world champion. And this is why I don't like brands 
hand splits. Because a lot of times, the belt gets handed to somebody who doesn't deserve to be a champion. Because not everybody can carry the load. And I don't think Jay can. I agree as well there, sir. All right, then, there, sir. Yes. So after this, we cut to uh, Mackenzie Mitchell, who has a Skype call from the jail. And we hear from uh, Tony D, who basically is now in jail. I guess he's watching the show from inside his cell. And they ask him how he feels about tonight. And he says he has no idea what to believe. He doesn't know for sure if Stats can win. Not because he doesn't believe in him, but because the three-on-one disadvantage that Stacks is at. And also, he's not sure what to believe, because as we know, we heard the voicemail of him saying there's a new Don in town, so now there's uh, talk of Stacks turning on Tony D. You know, the underboss wants to take over, and people are wondering what's going to happen as a result of this match. So, ultimately, Tony D, for the first time in his life, scared. Yeah, I saw this right here. I mean, I have to say, though, the guy looks fantastic in orange. But this right here, though, was uh, like, like in my opinion, was awesome. He's like, I don't know what is going on. And you can see, uh, you can tell by looking his eyes and his poor Italian little bearded face that he was so frightened that Stax was going to take over if he ever got to jail, walking with a king with a great beard. Like, he says, uh, it's like, me, uh, he goes like, damn, this sucks. But otherwise than that, I thought this was fantastic. And hopefully that uh, the Donna is uh, A-OK aside. All right there, Benny, go ahead. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, Tony, you know, he, he's in the, he's been in jail. He's been in there and things are, you know, not looking good for the Don. He's a little nervous and everything. But, you know, overall, I thought the segment was great. You know, Tony is showing actual, like, nervousness and fear for the first time in his whole career because he doesn't know what's going to happen because he's either going to get out of jail or he's going to go to trial. And if he's convicted, he's going to spend the rest of his life in jail. So, you know, it's interesting to see the Don being scared for once in his life. And who the fuck you saying is scared? You know what? Get, get this fucking Paisan wannabe the fuck out of here. Give me a fucking... And first of all, let me just say right now, you wish you could pull orange off as good as me, Cherry Top. Let me fucking tell you, all right? And I ain't fucking scared. There's a difference oh, between being concerned and scared. I'll hurt something in a fucking minute. I don't know who the hell uh, how you, you think you are. That? How are you going to do that? You're in a jail cell and I'm out here in the free world, so haha. Hey, and I'm still eating better than you. I'm having steak while you're still munching on ramen noodles, you fuck. Yeah, by the way, uh, don't think I don't listen into the show they have to raise money just so you can fucking eat and apparently they ain't raising a lot of money because you're still skinnier than a fucking twig jesus christ i've seen i've seen fatter people in homeless shelters for christ's sake what the fuck are you guys doing with this guy over here first of all i ain't fucking scared am i concerned yes but there's no fear in the don that's why i'm the don because i show no fucking fear now if you'll excuse me i still got some food over here. I got them making my dinner. You know, I eat good in the jail. Why? Because I'm the fucking Don. You ever watch Goodfellas? We eat good in the fucking jail. Why do we go to jail? To get away from our nagging fucking wives. And I could use a fucking break from that old broad. I'll tell you right now. I take her everywhere, but the bitch finds her way home. Anyway, I'm fucking busy. I don't know. Maybe I'll check in later. I don't know. But Jerry Top, yes. trust me. If I get out of here, you're the first person I'm going to fucking visit. All right. Oh, really? You got to catch me first. All right, I ain't got time for this crap. You, yeah, Let's do, move on here. He starts it. Now, we're going to move on to our first official match of the evening. We've got Chase U with Thea Hale versus 
Charlie Dempsey, and Gabagulak. I enjoy this immensely right here, except for one problem. That problem is uh, is uh, Thea Hill, the little fucking cheese you chihuahua. I loved her death, what she did last week or the previous week, where she made uh, TV Strap tap out, but that's another story for another time. This match, I love this right here. Good opening bout. Gets the crowd pumped up right here. And, uh, I mean, there was uh, one particular moment in the match that um, I'm going to let, when it's Finney's turn to talk, I'm going to let him take over on this one right here. Because right after it, because I had to hear a long rant about it, like, he usually does when he sees something that he doesn't like. But these two was great right here. Um, what impressed me the most was um, that uh, Chase U, um, Andre Chase, and uh, Duke Hudson worked very, very, very good together. They did the um, punches together. They did the uh, throwing of the hands together right there. If any of the future, you need to make these two a tag team champion. And then um, they hit their finisher. One, two, three. Chase U wins. Benny, go ahead. Yeah. Basically, uh, they did the flatliner. Basically, uh, what Duke Hudson did was he grabbed his arms and kind of set him up where he lay, where he bent over and had him like dangling from his back or something, some kind of weird lifting move. I don't know what the fuck that's called. And then Chase kind of flipped over him, grabbed him, and did a flatliner, which was a great fucking move. That was fucking genius. I loved every second of that. I thought it was a very well done finish. And like you said, both guys were well together. Charlie Dempsey looked amazing in this match. And this is the thing about Charlie that I'm going to say seeing him next to Andre Chase or seeing him in the ring Charlie looks so much more like a wrestler and that's the kind of thing that's missing a lot in wrestling today I love Andre Chase but his look is what's going to hold him back from achieving any like real success past NXT is what I think I don't see Andre Chase being a guy that will go to the main roster I just don't because his look will hold him back because he has no definition no muscle of any kind so some of the moves he does are not very believable but some are. So as long as he sticks to what's believable and stops trying to do what isn't, it'll make sense. That's true. Yeah. Like, like seeing Duke Hudson with the double clothesline looks so much better than what Andre Chase did. Why? Because again, Duke Hudson's got the big get the big ass biceps. So a double clothesline makes sense. It hurts more coming from the big guy. Those are big guy moves. And that's what a lot of wrestlers need to learn. Wrestle like a big guy. Don't wrestle like a cruiserweight if you're not a fucking cruiserweight. Don't wrestle like a heavyweight if you're a fucking cruiserweight. Stick to what is believable so you can work better and that way y'all don't look alike and it doesn't look phony as shit so I love that nothing in this match looked phony except for one fucking spot and this killed the whole fucking match for me because I was enjoying everything up until this point when you see Thea Hale the fucking crazy ass I snorted five Adderall pills at one time running around the place like a psycho Like they call her a chihuahua but I call her a fucking psycho she's using the bullhorn trying to get everybody to cheer for chase you and then she drops the fucking thing jumps off the stairs grabs gaba gulak and locks him in a kimura she puts a kimura lock on drew gulak and Gulak basically runs in a circle like a fucking chicken with his head cut off and then drops to one knee. The referee somehow does not notice this happening. I don't know how the fuck he doesn't notice it happening unless he can't see over Duke Hudson because I can see him looking in this general direction. You're telling me Duke Hudson is so fucking big you can't see past him? Is that is that what I'm supposed to believe is happening here? And also, here's the thing I don't get. Thea Hale has Gaba Gulak in a Kamora lock. Here's a bright idea. Slam her into the barricade. Slam her into the ring steps. Slam her into the ring apron. Get the bitch off of you. Oh, wait. We can't do that because Thea Hale has tits and a vagina. And if Drew Gulak causes this dainty princess any harm, he's a fucking asshole despite the fact the bitch has 
has him in a goddamn Kamora lock. Also, you are Drew Gulak. That is Thea Hale. You're telling me you can't shake this fucking bitch off of you? This is the fakest shit I've seen in wrestling. And I see a lot of fake shit in wrestling. This looks stupid as fuck. Everything in this match was going great until this dumbass fucking spot. Now, I seriously doubt WWE's even listening to this podcast. I'm not going to reach out to them. But if you happen to be a booker or a promoter and you're listening to this show, let me give you a little piece of advice. If you have a problem with the men and the women mixing it up in a ring, if the idea of the men knocking out the women makes you uncomfortable, if it gets your panties in a bunch to see that, if it triggers you to see that, then keep the men and women separate at all times, okay? I am sick and tired of seeing this shit on TV every fucking time I watch wrestling. Because I said this before and I will say it again. If a woman is trying to attack you and you don't defend yourself, you are not a gentleman. You are a fucking puss, okay? You might as well start identifying as a woman because you have a vagina between your fucking legs if you lack the ability to get someone who's attacking you off of you. Gulak looks like a fucking pussy right here. And the fact that people don't understand how moments like this bury the male wrestlers and pretty much makes it impossible for them to be taken seriously as badasses is a fucking problem. If you don't see the problem with this, you should not be booking or promoting wrestling at all. Get the fuck out of the business. Like I said, if it bothers you to see men attacking women even in kayfabe world of wrestling that we live in, then don't have them mixing it up at all. Just let the women and valets stay out there. If they're gonna get involved, let them spray something or trip up a leg or distract the referee. Do something like that. But you don't have the women lock a guy in a Kimura lock submission hold and him not be able to easily break it. Because if Thea Hale can take out Drew Gulak with a Kimura lock, it shouldn't take Duke Hudson or Andre Chase longer than three seconds to lock Gulak in a submission hold. Or if they do put him in a submission hold, he should tap out instantly. Otherwise, you bury your male talent by doing shit like this. It's fucking retarded and doesn't belong in wrestling. And with that said, we're going to move on here. We got Braun Breaker who is now going to be facing Ilya Dragunov later in the night with the winner to face Carmelo Hayes for the NXT title at the Great American Bash. Braun Breaker basically wants his belt back. He wants his belt back, but then again, he didn't. Um, He doesn't need the belt. He needs to go off to the main roster, but apparently WWE does not want to listen to us. Braun Breaker, I enjoyed this right here. I was like, Mm, seen it before probably gonna see it again over and over like the bunny rabbit everything else I was like eh same Braun Breaker I was like okay whatever you don't need you need to go do better better things in NXT Benny well like you said this was typical Braun Breaker I mean I like the new look that Braun has I like the fact he's getting a little bit of the facial hair going Um, I like the intensity that he's bringing and I like the fact that he's expressing some type of interest in the title now obviously I don't think he should be the NXT champion Champion. I don't think he needs to be the champion. I think it's time for him to finally go to the main roster. There's nothing left for Braun Breaker to do. They're sending everybody to the main roster except the one person who needs to fucking be there. That's pretty much what's happening in NXT. Everyone's getting called up but him. And that's goddamn ridiculous. Because he's ready. But I guess they need him to job to a couple people on the way out. Like I said before. And him expressing interest though in being the NXT champion creates doubt in the match. Because he said a while back. 
back, he didn't want to represent NXT anymore. So he has to come up with a reason for why else he would want the belt because obviously he doesn't want to be a man of the people. But like I said, he does not deserve it because he needs to get the fuck out of NXT. He's one of those guys that needs the call up and he needs it desperately. And then we cut to good old Von Wagner. Talks about, you know, for the first time in his life, he feels like he's being himself. And he talked about how people looked at him as a monster. He wouldn't get picked for project for group projects. And then said that if people think I'm going to be a monster, then I'll just be one. And he said that he did it to survive through life. And that he felt something different after he put Big Body Javi through the table. And then he looked up and the crowd was cheering him. So now he's starting to embrace the crowd. And he wants to thank um, Mr. Stone annoying, interfering, irritating ass for helping him find the real Von Wagner. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I enjoy this right here, but I'm sick of it. I want Von Wagner back in the ring. It was like I was a monster. I was picked on. I was like, well, now, Von Wagner, you're a pretty big, scary-looking dude. And I didn't know what you did last week. Now I do know that you put um, Body Hobby through a table. Thank you so much because I hate his fucking guts. Brother watching this, it's time for him to get back in the ring. I'm tired of him doing these talks. It's time for Bog Wagner to get back in the ring and get somebody who's, I don't know, worthy. Not big body Javi or Bulldog, wherever that cocksucker's name is. So I take it you didn't buy his Christmas album. No, I never will. Well, actually, Zach, we have in the studio... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I did not buy that. I ain't buying that fucking Christmas album. In the middle of July? Come on now. I'm still dealing with the Gatorland Christmas Spectacular. So I ain't going to deal with that. <laughs> hey, don't be hating on my Christmas God Spectacular. It. it was a great fucking special. It drew high numbers and brought in some ratings. Yes, Gator, it did draw high numbers and brought in some ratings. Does that mean I get to do another one? Absolutely fucking not. <laughs> I'm not letting you do one. If anything... I might let Zach do a Christmas special. I don't know. Maybe let him write one. I will figure that out. Um, it is on a Monday, so we're going to need some content for that Christmas day. Um, but we'll figure that out. Yes, we will. But either way, I loved uh, Von Wagner's uh, interview. I love the segments. Uh, I do agree he needs to get back in the ring. I want to start seeing Von Wagner, you know, really put it to people. But we can tell from all these interviews, he's going to be a babyface. Yes, he is. So the question is, what's he going to go for? What title does he need? And we also have to take into account Von Wagner is also a free agent. So while he's been spending a lot of time in NXT, they can send him to Raw or SmackDown at any given time because he is a free agent. So it's not like Von Wagner has to wait to be called up. He can go. That he can. So if you can't put him in a match in NXT, fucking let's get him on Raw, get him on SmackDown, and let's have him whoop some ass. Let's get let's get some big guys on the roster that actually look like wrestlers, look menacing, have a monster-like quality so we can start getting some fucking potential stars on the fucking roster because we ain't got a lot everybody keeps acting like oh they're stacked with stars really show me where i only see like a couple so i want to see von wagner come up because i want to start seeing wrestlers on the roster that look like wrestlers instead of looking like tumbling acts because me no likey the tumbling acts no we don't like the tumbling acts so on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Kalani Jordan with Dana Brooke versus Cora Jade. You call this a match? Yes. Okay, yeah, I call it a match. I mean, Kalani Jordan, I don't know who she was, but she was against Cora Jade. And man, I mean, it was okay. I mean, uh, Cora Jade being the uh, heel, like always, and Kalani uh, Jordan tried her very, very best. She did, she did. But uh, in the end, Cora Jade won and tried to use the um, lead pipe that she carries around. But Jordan ducked. 
Dana Broken came in and saved the day. And from what it looks like at the Great America Bash or next week, we're going to see Dana Broken against Cora Jade. And hopefully Dana Broke goes over because I think it's time for her to step up a little bit. Vinny? Dana Brooke deserves a win in NXT. She needs a resurgence in her career. I want to see her go back to being the total diva that she was when she came in. I want to see that Dana Brooke come back because she was a woman, as I said before, she had all the tools at the time to be a major player in NXT. But they called her up too soon. They made her a lackey. She wasn't ready. And then she just ended up becoming a joke on the main roster. And also the 24-7 champion, which that didn't help her out either. Uh, so a lot of things became her goddamn ridiculous, which is why I'm glad she's here. That being said, uh, the focus is not on Dana for this. It's Kalani Jordan, who... I'm going to say this. I don't hate Kalani Jordan. Uh, let, me, let me make that very clear. I do not hate her. However, she is still very green. And you can tell from this match. Because there's too many pauses in movement in her matches. The timing is off on a lot of things. And a key thing you need to have in a match, especially if you're going to be one of those fast-paced spot monkeys, if you're going to go that route, which you shouldn't, if you truly love and respect the business, is you can't have wasted movement. You can't have somebody standing there waiting for your spot because then the match looks fake. Because I'm going to tell you right now, if you're working a match with me and you want to do some springboard move, if I get into position for you to hit that springboard move, the second I get into position, I want to see you jumping. Don't you sit there and make me wait two, three minutes because I'm going to pull Samoa Joe on your ass if you do. For those of you who don't know what I mean by that, I'll explain. Samoa Joe does one of the most believable things I've ever seen in wrestling during certain high spots. Somebody will literally springboard or come out the top rope and he'll simply just walk out of the way and let you fall face flat. There's literally a whole compilation video of Joe doing that. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever fucking seen in wrestling. And let me tell you something. If you take too long to hit your high spot, I will do that to you in the middle of the ring if I was a wrestler. Because I'm not gonna look stupid. That's why for all you NXT people that used to worship Dusty Rhodes, especially some of you who were trained by Dusty Rhodes, you forget the number one rule Dusty Rhodes has in wrestling. Don't do shit you don't know how to do. If you don't have enough confidence in yourself to perform a move in the ring, damn it, don't do it. Find stuff you can do. But that's my biggest complaint with Kalani, is that her timing and her pacing is not getting better. Now, granted, this is only her second match, so I'm trying very hard not to be too judgmental. But as an analyst, I gotta call it like I see it. There should be no wasted movement. Even rest holds, if done properly, are not wasted movement. So that's the big thing. And Cora J needs to learn this too. If your opponent's taking too long to do their high spot, don't fucking sit there. Counter something, and if she wants to do it again, set it up to where you can perform it a second time or do it later in the match. But don't fucking sit there and wait for the goddamn spot because the match should look real. Just because the crowd knows it's a work does not give you an excuse to be lazy in the ring. No excuse. Especially when you're in with Cora J because she's garbage in the fucking ring anyway. So this match was a disaster waiting to happen. Now there were some good spots. Like Kalani Jordan's best move is her arm drag. Why? Because she does it in one fluid motion. It's her best move that she has. Only problem is that's the one good move she can do. So after she does that, there's nothing left. So that's my biggest complaint. Kalani Jordan needs a lot of work. She, she needs to be in that performance center. She needs to train. She needs to get better. That's why I'm glad Dana is getting involved now. Is I think Dana needs to be in the ring right now. And Kalani needs to be at the performance center. Because after these two matches, so far I'm seeing she needs a lot of work. And I don't know if she's ready to be on TV wrestling. So she needs to get into the performance center. And whoever the trainers are, they need to get. They need to put her through the condition 
conditioning, put her through the ringer and get better and better and better and stop doing wasted movement. You got to remember when you're in that, when you're in the NXT ring in front of the NXT crowd, you are not in the performance center. You don't have the luxury of waiting. You got to go, go, go. So if you cannot perform a move successfully in a fluid motion, don't do it. Cut it out of your repertoire. Find something else to do. Find the moves you can do and do that. Don't try to do all the flippy moves just so you can impress the marks on TV or the neck beards at home. I'm telling you, that's the quickest way to get injured and end your career by doing something stupid just to appease other people. Find the moves you know how to do, improve upon those, put that in your move set, combine it with your psychology and your storytelling, and you will have a great career. Stick to what you know. Any final thoughts or can we move on? Moving on. All right. So we cut to uh, Eddie Thorpe walking out of the building. This is a pre-taped interview from after the uh, NXT Underground. Uh, Eddie Thorpe said that he was excited to finally get revenge on Damon Kemp. Uh, People asked Gable Stevenson about his uh, future in WWE. He says, right now he's focusing on the national title, going back to the Olympics. And obviously he loves being around the, the WWE and the NXT ring. So he has a lot to think about. Gable Stevenson basically says like, I wish I could join you guys, but I can't right now. I got a national t- title to worry about in the Olympics right there. But don't worry, folks. Eventually we will see Gable Stevenson in NXT. Well, the one good thing about this interview is that it creates an opportunity for Gable Stevenson to be in the minds of the WWE Universe. Because we know he's been signed. We know WWE wants something to do with him. But because he was, A, focusing on the NCAA title and the Olympics earlier, and now he wants to go back and try again, he hasn't really been in WWE as much. In fact, the last time we heard from him, or heard about him, was that he had not been improving as fast as they wanted him to. Well, now apparently he's finally picking it up, because they put him on TV, obviously. And And we've also heard that originally Triple A was going to work a program with him before he had his heart condition because there was talk of him at WrestleMania facing Gable Stevenson in a match back when Triple H could work. Now he can't anymore with the defibrillator in his chest and everything. So he's definitely done in the ring. But obviously, like they said, he's focusing on the national title in the Olympics. That's where his mind is right now. So he might make a few appearances here and there. And if he's doing it on NXT, that's great. Or even if he shows up like a Raw or a SmackDown to cut a couple promos, maybe flip some people around, do a couple spots. As long as everything's controlled and safe, he'll be fine. But ultimately, his plan is the title in the Olympics. And when you're training for shit like that, it takes all of your attention. Because you gotta train right and sleep right and eat right to get ready for a wrestling tournament and a championship like that. Kurt Angle will be the first one to tell you. And if he can win a national title and win another gold medal, that will up his resume in WWE. And then once he comes to WWE, oh my god. Because he's gonna be the only other Olympic Olympic gold medalist besides Kurt Angle to be in professional wrestling. And that is a big fucking deal. Now, obviously, with Kurt's body the way it is, we're never going to see Gable Stevenson and Kurt Angle in a match unless they can find some way to convince him to do a match with him. Because every time somebody has said they're not getting back in a ring, they find a way to get back in the ring. For the right amount of money, they'll figure out a way. Plus, if it's only one match, if it's a one and done, they can figure out a way to train for that. Hell, people thought Steve Austin would never wrestle again. He wrestled Kevin Owens. So anything can happen. But ultimately, Ultimately, I think Gable Stevenson, once it's the time is right for him to get into wrestling, I think he'll be ready. I don't know where he's at promo-wise, but if his promos are as good as his in-ring ability, he can be a future world champion. He can be the next Kurt Angle-style wrestler for WWE. And Lord knows we need more guys like that. More guys who can wrestle and not do a bunch of stunts. And 
on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. This is the number one contenders match with the winner to face Carmelo Hayes at the Great American Bash. Braun Breaker one-on-one against Ilya Dragunov. It started off slow, but generally speaking, these two brawling brutes just beat the living shit shit out of each other there. The star of the match that Braun Baker was on the offense a lot of the times. But then Dragunov came back like he always does and with his wonderful uh, facial expressions. And I'm enjoying the beard too. And Vinny mentioned it mentioned to me earlier that he enjoyed it. Makes him more like a badass. But I love this right here. But, see, but the only problem is there was way too many false finishers. Vinny, you think there's too many false finishers? Not at all. All right. We'll get to you here in a second. But otherwise, that's right here. I thought this was fantastic. I enjoyed every minute of it. It was getting to the point where, okay, can we end it? Then we finally did. Vinny, your thoughts. I just thought it went on a little bit too long. I thought this was the match of the night. This was phenomenal. Both these men fucking killed each other. In fact, best way to say it, they has fight. They has fight. Yes, it was a fucking brawl. These were two men who hated each other and wanted to be the NXT champion. And the right guy won. Ilya Dragunov deserved this win. Because, like we said before, Braun's had his time. It's time for him to go to NXT. It's time for him to do the honors on the way out and that's usually what you do when you're on the way out and and it's because it's kind of like the tradition in the territories you do your jobs on the way out you put the people over that need to be put over and then you go away that's how it is when wrestlers would leave a territory and braun is on the verge of leaving nxt so he needs to do the jobs that need to be done and then fuck off to the main roster and i mean that in a good way uh dragon did phenomenal this match so many times especially when he came off the top and braun hit that spear they thought it was fucking done he kicks out dragon hits a big move and Breaker kicks out of that. I mean, these guys were kicking out of every move possible. They had you on the edge of your seat and in the end Dragunov hits a basement torpedo Moscow to the back of Breaker's head for the win and now Ilya Dragunov is going to face Carmelo Hayes at the Great American Bash on July 30th for the NXT Championship. And then of course the question is going to come down to, is Carmelo going to retain or is Dragunov going to win? But before you can answer that, you got to ask yourself this question. Is Carmelo ready for the main roster or could he get a second run with the NXT championship and stick around a little bit longer like what else would be left for him to do other than him and Trick Trick becoming tag champs which I could love to see that if that's the case same here so I don't know where else they would go because you can't send him back to the North American title Carmelo's past that at this point but him and Trick with the tag belts would work you know that way you know that team is established because they've established themselves as a great tag team but they've never held the belts together so it would be nice to see Carmelo and Trick get a run with the tag belts before they get called up because I think there's a good chance those two will probably end up in the tag team division if they get called up. I don't see Carmelo being a world champion on the main roster. With the with the competition that's up there, it wouldn't be believable. And I like Carmelo, so there's no hatred for Carmelo here. I'm just being realistic. Like, I could see Carmelo being the U.S. champion. I could see him being the Intercontinental champion. Not if Gunter has it, but if down the road, if somebody else is holding the title that Carmelo could realistically beat, it would make sense. But ultimately, I think him and Trick would serve the main roster better as a tag team. Because I've said it before and I'll say it again. We can't have too many tag teams in WWE. There's not enough. The fact that Kevin and Sammy are undisputed tag champs fucking helps. Because we ain't got to worry about champs on one show, champs on the other show, and stupid shit like that. Because you ain't got enough tag teams for that. But ultimately, like I said, phenomenal match. Both these men did fantastic. And then we cut to the backstage area with Wesley, who of course is being asked about the fact that Mustafa Ali 
Ali challenged him for the North American Championship at the Great American Bash. Uh, Wesley's just getting to talk about that when all of a sudden uh, Dirty Dom shows up with Mommy and basically he decides to accept Wesley's uh, open challenge for the North American Championship. And Wes is like, I haven't done an open challenge in weeks. I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he's like, oh, so now that I want a title shot, you suddenly don't want to fight? And he goes, no, 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 I want to fight. I'm just saying I haven't done an open challenge in a while because things have been crazy around here. But if you want to get crazy, let's do it. And then Dom says, tell you what, let's do it next week so you have time to prepare. And then him and Mommy walk off. Why? Okay, and... Dom, I wish you the best of luck, but you're not going to beat Wesley uh, uh, next week with that for that belt. That's not going to happen. He's not going to drop it on free TV. This was pointless. This was stupid right here. And I I love Dom, but I don't like his hair. So otherwise than that, Vinny, go ahead. And I was like, okay, whatever you say there, Dom. Ugh. Well, I think this is fucking weird because, again, why is the Judgment Day on NXT to begin with? It's your goddamn ridiculous. And also, if Dominic, let's say Dominic next week does manage to beat Wesley. Let's say Dominic does become the North American champion. Is he going to stay on NXT if that's the case? Or is he going to bring the North American title to the main roster? And here's the thing. I don't want to see the North American title on the main roster at all on this planet or any other. I want the NXT titles to stay in NXT. So if you're planning on giving Dom Dom the champion I want Dom Dom to stay on NXT. And yeah, I know he gets the nuclear heat on the main fucking roster, but let's be honest. They're not going to miss Dominic on the main roster. They're not. It's not going to fucking happen. Why? Because he's not even involved in any major storylines. He had the one and done match with Cody. They're not putting him in anything else. So you might as well keep him in NXT. If you're going to give him the North American Championship. Now, if you're not going to give him the North American Championship, then that's okay. Then they can go back to Raw and Dominic can continue to be in the background. Because really, any storylines involving the Judgment Day are going to be involving Finn Balor and Damian Priest. And whether or not they can co exist. So, I feel like they're doing this just to kind of boost ratings for NXT. That's all this is. We need to get some ratings for NXT because not a lot of people are watching. Not a lot of people are taking it seriously. So, we need to bring in some main roster people, which I'm okay with. And I said it before and I'll say it again. I'll take anybody right now over Wesley. Not a fan. Haven't been. All the way back to MSK. Didn't like him. So, I am perfectly okay with Dominic holding the North American title. He's got a lot of heat. I think a title should be on him. But obviously, he's not ready for the major belts. And also, I don't want to force the major belts on him. Because I don't want him getting the Charlotte Flair fucking treatment. But if you're in NXT, that's fine. With the momentum Dominic has, holding an NXT title is okay. There's no nepotism really with that. Except when Charlotte won the NXT title during that last run she had a few years back. Let's not talk about that, shall we? I'm just bringing up examples. We're not going to go into detail unless you do it. I'm not going to go into detail. So I feel like Mustafa Ali is going to get involved in this somehow. And then that's going to lead to the him and Wesley clashing at the Great American Bash. And I think that's where Mustafa Ali is going to take the North American title. Or he should take the North American title. Top can only tell there, folks. And next we cut to Baron Corbin. He says, you can't fight fate, but right now that's exactly what he's doing. When he looks back, he realizes he has nothing in common with those he portrayed himself to be. But now, who the hell am I? And then he pulls up to this secluded area with tiki torches and some random dude in a hoodie. Maybe he's going out to go find himself. I think we talked about this right there. And he's seen wrestlers do this before and they come back with a totally different new per- uh, personality. Or, or, and 
yeah, I just, my penis, I like, I've done this, I've done that. And it's time for Bear Corbin to get back to bear, being Bear Corbin. No more Happy Corbin. No more King Corbin. Go back to being the Bear Corbin once you had your hair before you lost it all. And also, lose the gut too. Just say, but like this right here, just kind of confused me. Then I saw, then you mentioned what you mentioned. Maybe he's going to go find himself. It's like, okay, we'll see what happens. Well, that's the way it looked, you know, because that's usually what happens. Someone says, who the hell am I? That's kind of what you're doing in that moment. You're trying to find out who you are, find yourself if you don't know who you are. And he's realizing he's not a lone wolf. He's not a bum. He's not happy. And he's not a king. So now he's trying to find something that works for him. And as we, as I mentioned last week, this is the best thing that can happen to Baron Corbin. Because now he can finally get put in a place where he can be taken seriously. All he has to do is find a character that works for him, whether it's himself or something else, figure out what that is and how to channel it into something marketable, and then get the in-ring stuff down, and then he can actually eventually go back to the main roster and start drawing some fucking money. Because right now, Baron Corbin doesn't draw a damn thing. And ever since he got to the main roster, they have fucked him six ways from Sunday with all of these fucking gimmicks. Baron Baron Corbin needs a change. And I'm intrigued to see what that change is going to be. And I just hope WWE doesn't drop the ball with this again. Hopefully not. And on that note, we move on to the next match of the evening. We've got Tiffany Stratton one-on-one against Ivy Nile. Filler. This was a filler there, folks. I mean, okay, but otherwise not, eh, it was okay. It was just there. But the funny thing was the whole crowd kept on um, telling Tiffany, you tapped out, you tapped out, you tapped out. And um, yeah, and then I was making something to eat, so I was trying to pay attention to the match and making sure I didn't burn my hand. Was that, that I th- swear to God, I, th- I saw that Avidel was making Tiffany trap out, tap out again, and the refs didn't see it. But all watching that, I was just, yeah, this was just there. Um, uh, Court Tiffany Stratton was going to win. Ivy now was not going to pin the champ on free TV. Vinny, go ahead. Yeah. Well, Tiffany's not going to drop the belt on free TV. I don't see her dropping the belt anytime soon. I, I don't think she will. But there is one thing that happens that could possibly prove me wrong. But ultimately, I thought this was a very well done match. And what I love most about it was Ivy Nile got a chance to stand out and stand on her own two feet. Because for a while, she's kind of been in the background while the Creed brothers have gotten the focus. And don't get me wrong, I love the Creed brothers. I'm a fan. I hate that they're not in NXT anymore. But I like seeing Ivy Nile get her opportunity. She doesn't have Tatum Paxley to hold her back. Because I honestly felt like she was holding her back. Because Tatum Paxley brings nothing of value to NXT at all. But Ivy Nile, at least, she looks like a badass. She walks like a badass. She talks like a badass. I like the little chain things around her neck that looks fucking badass as shit. I like her look. I like her gimmick. And I love the way she works in the ring. Ivy Nile, to me, is somebody you could put a women's title on. She can actually be a women's champion. She can actually work and wrestle. And I feel the same way about Tiffany Stratton. I love her as champion. She is a phenomenal heel. And she can work. And both these women put on a great match. So, it might have seemed like filler, but it was great nonetheless. And then in the end, uh, the crowd continues to chant, you tapped out. Stratton yells, she never tapped out. And she beat Thea Hale. And then all of a sudden, Thea Hale is backstage and they can hear the crowd going crazy and Andre Chase and Duke Hudson are there and they're basically
basically saying that the crowd is on her side and that she's definitely the uncrowned women's champion. And they both all start chanting rematch, rematch, rematch. So I, I, I don't know what to think of it, but okay. <laughs> she's over the crowd at least. That's what's the most positive thing. You and I like, yeah, she's a fucking chihuahua. But once she gets in that ring, it's a different story. Well, yeah, because she knows how to channel it and make it work inside the ring. You know, I didn't like the fact that she put Gabagulak in a fucking Kimura lock, but when she locks the women in the Kimura lock, I'm all for it. I like seeing that. So I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch between Thea Hale and Tiffany Stratton. And I feel like if it does happen, it'll probably happen at the bash, and it will probably lead to Thea Hale becoming the women's champion. So I look forward to seeing that rematch, because if it happens, Thea Hale's walking out with the title. If it doesn't happen, then that means they want Tiffany to be champ for a little while longer. But I can see Thea Hale having a run with that championship. So time will tell on that. We'll probably see in the next week or so. But either way, great match and a great segment that followed. And then we cut to the backstage area with Blair Davenport, who promises to leave Roxanne Perez on the shelf if she steps up again, just like she did to Nikita Lyons, Wendy Chu, and Sol Ruko. Good for you. I don't care. Blair Davenport, I don't like you. This was pointless. I wish you would leave and never come back. Go back to New Zealand. Shushu. Bye-bye. Don't care do you yeah that was a great promo yeah she bugs me i don't like her i like that she got rid of roxanne um i like nikita lyons so i look forward to her coming back i look forward to soul ruka coming back i even look forward to wendy chu coming back i'm seeing i wonder what's gonna happen to her when she returns hopefully they get rid of their pajamas gator are you seriously gonna bother us right now well i needed to talk about this because i just want to say i am the biggest blair davenport fan in the world i normally don't like women's wrestling but because she got rid of the pajamas I'm a bitch. I cheer for Blair Davenport. She is number one on the women's roster. Go Blair! Go Blair! Go Blair! Gator, I have nothing to do with this. Oh, look. It's the ginger. Yeah, it is the ginger. Yeah. Glad to see you're actually improving. No. But anyways, um, I just want to say, I want to look at this and say, praise to the woman who got rid of the pajama bitch. Death to the pajama bitch. That's all I got to say. I am the gator, and I'll see you later. Goodbye. All right. Well, that's all he had to say, apparently. Um, I almost know what's more shocking, the fact that he likes Blair Davenport or the fact that he actually showed up to do this. But anyway, um, on or that note. he likes note, women's gonna... wrestling in any sort of way. Yeah. And on that note, we're going to move on here to the next match of the evening. We've got Joe Coffey with Gallus versus Channing Stacks Lorenzo, where if Stacks wins, the charges are dropped and the D'Angelo family gets a tag team title shot, but if Stax loses, D'Angelo has to go to trial. I thought the match was uh, fantastic. Once again, I was still cooking at the point, but I was letting my food settle on the warm. They came back that, uh, yeah, Joe Coffey and Chain Stax Lorenzo. This was a good match right here. A lot of people thought that um, Stax was on was going against Don. It turns out that it was a joke the whole time. I'm going to let Vinny take over because I know he's been looking forward to this, but the match itself was fantastic right there i mean gallus tried to uh try to intervene but it backfired them they got tossed out of the ring because stacks played an eddie with a crowbar good thinking there there mr stacks but otherwise than that that now that um looks like that um old tony d is getting out of jail damn and he looks so good in orange too well this was a great match and obviously you know the big question going in was could stacks be trusted what was going on with this story and of course they trade 
deadlocks. Neither man can get an advantage. Copy tells Stax it's time. Stax nods. He stands up. Joe hits his finish. And it looks like Stax is about to screw over the Don. When all of a sudden Stax kicks out, Coffee yells at Stax saying they had a deal. Stax says, I ain't no snitch. So it turns out Stax is going to fight him. And then all of a sudden, D'Angelo calls in and says, yeah, did you actually think that he was going to turn on the Don? And he says, Stax, go get that rat bested. Go Stax, go Stax. And that's when we found out the whole thing was a plan the entire time. And I got to say this. Fucking brilliant. This is good storytelling. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a story that created doubt and it made you wonder what the fuck was going to happen. And nobody saw this coming. I did not see that. I saw one of two things going to happen. Either Stax was going to turn on the Don or it was going to be revealed that Gallus lied about Stax being undercover. Like it was maybe a fake person doing the voiceover. I never expected D'Angelo to try to get Stax to trick Gallus like that. And the thing is, it's such a mafia move because it's all about keep your friends close and your enemies closer. And it was such a brilliant mafia-like move that it was great. And of course, in the end, Stax is able to overcome the odds, mostly with Nima and Price distracting for a moment. And then of course, like I said, you know, he takes out coffee with the crowbar, tosses it to Wolfgang, drops to the floor, they get ejected from ringside, and then he gets the win with the knee famouser-like move. And now the charges are dropped. So the Don's coming back. In fact, they announced the Don is having a welcome home party next week for the Don. And we're now going to see the D'Angelo family get a tag team title shot, which most likely will happen at the bash. And I think the D'Angelo family needs to take it. It's time for them to finally be the tag team champions. I agree with you, sir. It's time for Gallus to lose those and go to the family. Hold on. Get the fuck back. First of all, let me just say, and I was waiting for this fucking moment right here. I am a officially out of the fucking pen i just got the papers they just let me out the door so i thought i'd call in here to talk to you guys and let me just say i'm finally out of fucking jail i ain't wearing that fucking gaudy orange anymore mostly because every time i look at it i think of cherry tops fucking head and i'm tired of thinking about that fucking guy trying to act like oh orange looks so good on the don first of all everything i fucking wear looks good you understand Understand? I only wear the best fucking clothes. All right. If you're going to put me in a fucking horrible color, I'm going to make it fucking work because I make everything fucking work. Just like how I had a fucking plan and it came to fruition. Of course, I couldn't reveal it on the show because I didn't trust Cherry Top over here. So, of course, Vinny I could trust because, you know, it's an Italian thing. I can trust him. And, of course, Cherry Top's probably drinking himself into tears right now. Drowning his fucking sorrows. Knowing the Don is coming out. Knowing the Don's gonna have gold. Knowing the Don makes more money in a day in a fucking ring than he does washing the ring around the fucking sink so i'll tell you right now the don is ready to take his rightful fucking place that's what we gonna do and next week we throw in a big fucking party y'all get to fucking see it and then when it's all said and done me and stacks we gonna be the tag team fucking champions that's right they couldn't keep the don away forever i'm finally out the fucking pen and now i get to have some real fucking food so just want to say here on the booch case props to everybody that believed in me and uh we'll be seeing more of each other soon cherry top
Looking forward to it. Let's look, looking forward to it. Really, really am. I miss the greasy guy. But like I said, the orange does look good on you. All right, on that note, we cut to the backstage area with Los Lotharios, who hit on Valentina Faraz and Yulisa Leon. Leon and Faraz are not impressed. Dragon Lee and Nathan Fraser walk in, ask if everything is okay, and Garza and Carrillo walk away. Meh. 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 Can I do my gimmick, please? Go ahead. Was it bad? No, it was sad. I thought this was stupid as shit. That's all I really have to say. I was like, all right, here. This is stupid. Kim, moving on. Vinny, you do your thing. I'm just like, okay, I don't know who these people are. You know who these people are. Except for Nathan. I don't know Jag- only Jack Lee and Nathan Fraser. That's the only people who I know they are. You don't know Valentina Faraz and Lisa Leon? I've never seen them before. What are you talking about? They've been on TV. They were the Jobber Tag Team Ladies. Oh. They look different without their uniforms on. Apparently, <laughs> like fucking. They no- different. I didn't they've been, them. they've been, they were the new jobber bitches after Katana and Chance and the other bitch. They all went up the fucking main roster. I can't remember the other girl's <laughs> fucking name. They were jobbers. I can't remember their fucking Katana, name. It was Katana and Chance. Yeah, Katana and Chance. I don't know. I, I thought. I can never remember their fucking names, whatever. Yeah, Give me a break. I'm fucking old. I don't have time to remember stupid shit. I'm old. I'm tired. I'm beat up and I work with fucking children. Technically, he does. Um, But yeah. So, and Los Lotharios, you know who they are. Yeah, sure I do. Angel Garza. Remember him? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and that yeah. Humberto guy that yeah. they were fucking. Oh, those two idiots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Now well, Humberto was that luchador yeah. guy they were trying to get on TV for a while, but he never got over. Mm-hmm. Because he was fucking horrible. Very horrible. Yeah, so now they're doing this, and they're going to have a tag match next week, and it's like, oh, you eyeballing our women? It's like, oh, God, God. this fucking crap. Really? Yeah, really? really it's like, really. look, look, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I'm just going to say this. I'm probably going to get in trouble for it, but I'm going to fucking say it. I'm going to fucking say it. First of all, there's no indication that these women were fucking dating these guys. Let's just make that clear. That was not made clear to anyone on this fucking roster. Also, here's the thing. If you're going to date someone who's hot, expect people to flirt with them. As long as your woman is not flirting back, you don't need to be mad. Especially if the guy doesn't know there's a relationship involved. It's going to be like, hey, what's up? Say hello. And the guy, now, if he now, if you're still there and the guy tries to flirt then you can be like whoa pump your brakes but if you date somebody hot no people are gonna flirt with them just know that it's stupid to get mad like that over dumb shit unless somebody's getting too touchy-feely or crosses the line then you whoop their ass but just know there's gonna be flirting if you date somebody who's hot if you're that insecure date an uggo nobody will flirt with them that that's your secret if you're insecure like that date an uggo because nobody flirts with the uggos they go for the hot chick. So that's the price you pay for dating somebody who's hot, okay? They don't see a ring on the finger, they're going to go for it. And I'm talking exclusively to guys on that one because girls don't care about wedding rings. No, they do not. All right, do your thing. Well, now we're going to move on to the main event of the evening. We had ourselves a tag team match. It was Carmelo Hayes and Trick Williams versus The Judgment Day with Rhea Ripley and Dominic Mysterio. This was actually very, 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 very good right here. You got two tag teams that actually, I don't know, know what the fuck they're doing. And yeah, I enjoyed the living shit out of it. It was, it was fun. I mean, a lot of people say it off the top rope. There was, I mean, until uh, Dominic Mysterio had to get involved again. Kept her going in and out with with a chair, in and out with a chair, in and out with a chair. I'm like, okay, here, and then, and, um, Trick Williams protected Carmelo Hayes at one time, and, um, and then he got out, he got, uh, uh, dragged out of the ring by uh, Damian Priest, and then he got uh, used a razor's head on top of the uh, nuts table, and I would like to say, courtesy of the Beauty Cats and the affiliates, this deserved Fuck That Bump Award. Am I right or am I wrong, Vinny? 
It was definitely a fuck that bump moment because it, it you could tell it hurt like hell because the table didn't break and they didn't clear anything off. And also, once Trick got hit with that move, he did not get up. So either he sold that like a boss or he legit got fucking hurt. Think it was a shoot? Can't tell. Okay. That's the thing. And that's what makes it great. Yeah. I can't tell if it was a shoot or not. We won't know until we get an injury report. And then uh, pre, uh, then Ray, uh, Ray played Tosh Priest uh, money in the bank. Well, uh, Will Case, Priest tries to hit him with it. And then uh, the dragon out trying to get involved. Priest, uh, Melon knocked off Priest. And then Choke Slam, Damien Reed hit his pincer. Tagged um, uh, Finn Balor in. Hit the coup de goal. One, two, three for the second time, time uh, two nights in a row. Finn Balor beat Carmelo Hayes. Well, it wasn't the second time in a row because they hadn't fought in a while, but it was the second time that he's pinned him. Oh, I, mean, was, I thought it happened the other... Okay. No, it happened... Uh, it was the go-home before Money in the Bank, I want to say. Okay. Oops. Because Finn fought Carmelo Hayes that night. That's right. I remember that. And then I think the next night was when he fought somebody... I, he had a big match on NXT. Okay. Can't remember against who because um, my brain's fucking fried from all the work I've been doing the last week and a half. Uh, we're not going to go into detail about this until a future variety show, but Zach and I were on a film set uh, for the last like week and a half. We've been filming and editing the footage, so our brains are fucking fried. You'll have to forgive us on that one. We've, we've been, it's been an up all night, sleep all day kind of scenario. Yeah, I mean- that that Monday, I'm just gonna say we started at three o'clock. I did not get home home until five thirty that morning. And I will say this off a of variety show future comes. You fucking stand out comics out there who are listening to this. I fucking love all of you. That's all I have to say. Now, as far as the match goes, let's get back to that. Um, I enjoyed it immensely. I thought it was a stellar main event. Everybody did a great job. Uh and also at first when I saw Dominic and the whole struggling to get in with the chair, I'm like, what the f- fuck kind of spot is this? I thought it was the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. But then, once Rhea Ripley tossed in the briefcase, I went, oh, okay. Now it's smart. Because Dominic's struggling to get in because the ref is preoccupied with him. So it's like, okay, I'll toss the briefcase in and you can attack him with the briefcase. So, what looked like a stupid spot from Dominic ended up being genius in the long run. It was a good distraction. Probably one of the best distractions I've ever seen. I will say that. Because I've seen a lot of times people distract the referee and they do it with such cliche crap. This is actually something different and interesting, and it worked for Dominic. So it was a great spot. And I also love the fact that it didn't affect the outcome of the match that much because Dragonoff ripped the briefcase out of Damian Priest's hands. But then Hayes accidentally not Dragonoff off the apron, and that's when Priest hit the south of heaven for the win. And then, of course, afterwards, Carmelo and Dragonoff are arguing because Dragonoff was upset that he got hit. Carmelo says, you got in my business. Dragonoff's like, I'm just trying to help, blah, blah, blah as the Judgment Day is celebrating their win. And based on what I saw here, Priest is a South of Heaven, tags in Balor, hits a coup de grace. So clearly, the Judgment Day is a unit. There is nothing here that is signaling to me that they're going to break up, which is why I'm saying, at this point, the only way a breakup would make sense amongst the Judgment Day is for Damian Priest to fail his cash-in and have it be Finn Balor's fault, again, either intentionally or unintentionally. So Finn Balor can accidentally fuck it up and that can cause a breakup. Or Finn could just straight up turn on him and cause the breakup. And then the question there is, where do Rhea and Dom Dom's loyalty lie? Do they side with Finn and kick Damien out? Or do they side with Damien and kick Finn out? That's going to be the big question when that moment comes. And now we have something to get the ball rolling for Carmelo and Dragunov as they build to the Great American Bash. 
Because I'm pretty sure next week, Carmelo's going to be wanting to call out Dragunov, and they're going to have some type of verbal words in the ring. Now, since both these men are baby faces, I don't expect Dragunov to do to Carmelo what he did to Braun Breaker and blindside him with a, sh- with a knee to the face. I don't see that happening. If there is going to be a brawl, it's because somebody says the wrong thing and triggers the wrong person, and then they slug it out. That I could see happening. But otherwise, great main event, solid match, and obviously with Dominic going for the North American title, either we'll see just him and Rhea, or it's going to be the whole Judgment Day again. But I think it's going to depend on whether or not they want Dominic to walk out with the title. That is very, very true, which I highly doubt. But we'll never know. All right. And that, ladies and gentlemen, will wrap up this recap of NXT. Zach, as always, thank you for taking time. Everybody's scheduled to join us, and uh, look forward to seeing you on the next one. Absolutely. All right. Make sure you guys follow the Boochcast. We are on Anchor. Anchor. Spotify. Spotify. Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. And iHeartRadio. And iHeartRadio. Pick your favorite hosting site and follow us there, or be a super fan and follow us on all four hosting sites. Also, like us on Facebook. Go to Facebook.com slash TheBoochCast. We have archived episodes of the show as well as great content. Make sure you check out our uh, male soap opera moment episode where we gave our predictions for Money in the Bank. Find out who was right and who was wrong. Be on the lookout for a recap of Money in the Bank coming soon to the Boochcast Facebook page. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Boochcast. Get the latest tweets, photos, and videos. Visit our YouTube channel. Check out all of our YouTube content and be sure to hit the subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified when future content will be posted. I am happy to announce that all of the videos regarding Dark Side of the 90s have officially been posted to the Facebook page. So you can check out the Morning Show Wars, which posted last week. And of course, we have Y2 UK Paranoia Will Destroy Ya. You can check that one out. And of course, Rush Limbaugh, as well as the other videos that have come out. But make sure this coming Thursday, you check out something new coming to the Boochcast page. We have the return of Complain Time. That's right. As you guys know, uh, when I used to work for HVMA, we had uh, Complain Time as a show that I did for them. Well, I've been taking some of the videos and rehashing them on my personal YouTube channel, but I have not one, but two videos that feature good old Zachariah Scott over here and we're going to be playing those and this Thursday is going to be a one that we did with our our good friend and former Boochcast alumni Mr. Jerry Truman where we dealt with a broken coffee machine that one's dropping this Thursday on the Boochcast YouTube channel. It's one of the most intense episodes of Complain Time we have ever done. So make sure you check that out. And next week, we have one that was all about Zach, about servers who can't properly stack plates. So make sure you check those out. Coming soon to the Boochcast YouTube channel. And of course, Dark Side of Football coming soon. Dark Side of Comedy coming soon. As well as new episodes of Boochcast Reviews, Dark Side of the ring so be on the lookout for all of those coming soon to the youtube channel also make sure you follow us on twitch go to twitch.tv slash the boochcast that's where we do our live wrestling watch parties our next watch party will be saturday august the 5th for wwe SummerSlam. so make sure you join us for the biggest party of the summer and of course we have our live D show coming soon our boochcast booking battle and a special project in the works and of course you can support the boochcast by going to podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the 
boochcast slash support. Become a supporter of the boochcast. Support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. We have three levels we can donate at. Pick the one that works the best within your budget. We have our first level, which is $0.99, cents, $1 per month. We have our second level, which is $4.99, $5 per month. The same amount of money you would pay for a Peacock subscription. I know a lot of you guys out there aren't fans of the Peacock, so don't give them money. Give us money. We got better content than Peacock anyway. And we got the third and final level we can donate at, which is for a mere $9.99. per month. The same amount of money we used to pay for a WWE Network subscription here in the United States ever since they sold the Peacock. Put that $9.99. So hit $9.99. Bring it over here. We got better content than the network and unlike Endeavor, we actually care about our fans are dedicated to giving the people what they want. You have the option to pay with your credit card or with GPay. And the best part is all the money we raise goes back into the show in some capacity. We used to upgrade our equipment. We used to bring in bigger name guests, pay the bills, and take care of all the guys who work very hard on the air and off the air to make the Boochcast a success. So if you got a favorite co-host and believes it'll be paid for their hard work, podcasters.spotify.com slash pod slash show slash the Boochcast slash support is how you make that happen. And then if there's any money left over, when it's all said and done, we use the rest to feed Zachariah Scott his ramen noodles and try to get him laid. Very hard journey, but we're getting there. And until next time, this is Vinny Bucci, a.k.a. The Booch, saying keep on living life and take care. This has been The Boochcast. We'll talk to you guys next time. Until then, pizza, baby. Well, I see by the clock on a wall that it's time to bid you one and all. Goodbye. Goodbye. So long. So long. Farewell. Farewell. Adieu. Adieu. Be good. Stay well. Bye-bye. Keep warm. Relax. Eddie. Take care. Stay loose. Adieu, mon vieux. À la prochaine.